0: listening to the Jets Nation podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Dealer joined by my brother Kyle. Hockey is back, the preseason is here. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the off-season. What's been going down for the Winnipeg Jets? The Josh Morrissey re-signing, the restricted free agents Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor, what's going on with Dustin Bufflin, and of course, we will talk preseason hockey. All of that and more on today's show. <laughs> All right, so for segment number one, Kyle, I just want to start off. It feels like it's been so long since we last podcast. How how was your summer?
1: Yeah, summer was great. Uh, yeah, the re- one of the reasons why we don't podcast during summer is, well, I mean, there's no news to talk about. Uh, one of the other reasons is summer is just a busy time, it seems, for everybody. Uh, my summer was filled with camping trips, uh, days to the beach, pretty much everything you would expect for a Manitoba summer. It was overall really good.
0: Yeah, no, mine was as well. And just like you, and I know we hung out uh, during the summer, but our listeners would have really no idea. But again, a lot of camping trips uh, with family and things that work for me really kind of, um, they die down a little bit in summer. And so then it was kind of nice just to have a break from my regular work hockey coverage and then the uh, Jets Nation uh, coverage as well. But the last podcast we did was back in July, uh, Free Agent Frenzy. I don't know if anybody remembers that episode or not. But now we're going kind of uh, basically everything that happened since then till now. There's been a lot uh, going on, but there's also been not a lot going on uh, kind of all at the same time. So starting with Josh Morrissey, uh, this signing for me, it came out of the blue. Were you surprised by this, Kyle?
1: Yeah, I think everybody is a little bit surprised by this. Um, it, I was going through, um, at the time, or a few weeks ago, I was going through a contract series. You might be read that on Jets Nation. I was dissecting, essentially, the contracts for every single Winnipeg Jets player um, and the value that each contract provided. And I gave Morrissey, actually, a, a pretty low grade uh, for the reason being he was signed to a short-term deal. He was going to be up as of next summer. If Morrissey had a really good, strong year this year, he was going to be in for a massive raise next summer. Well, that kind of got turned on its head, everything I kind of wrote about two weeks later when Morrissey signed that massive uh, eight year extension. So he's locked for the Winnipeg Jets for another nine seasons. This one on his current deal and then eight more after that. So just a great signing by the Jets. um, And I think it's going to provide really good value uh, for Morrissey during his prime playing years.
0: I think this is the way to do it because now. And it depends, I guess, how much you like drama and all that kind of thing. But for Morrissey, he doesn't have to worry about all that conversation at the end of this year. Like, oh, are you going to sign an extension? You don't have to deal with all of that. It kind of came out of nowhere for the casual fan, and then all of a sudden, boom! This massive extension is done, and you don't have to think about it. What do you think of the cap hit? Six point two five million. I personally like that. I think he is one of our top defensemen. And coming in at that cap head, I think, is very reasonable. Ivan Provorov signing on the exact same day, six years, 6.75. So slightly higher than Josh Morrissey. I think it just is a fairly solid comparable when you look around other defensemen. And I think it's a pretty good deal. Jared Spurgeon signing a seven-year deal a couple days later at 7.575. He was an unrestricted free agent, but still... I think this is great value for the Jets.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And especially when you consider uh, people always say buying UFA years comes at a premium. Uh, The Jets buying multiple years for Josh Morrissey into his UFA a bunch of years and not really costing them any extra. Uh, I am very curious to know, and we will likely never know this, um, if the Dustin Bufflin situation had anything to do with Josh Morrissey's long-term deal. Uh, the Jets wanting to push as long as term as possible to get at least one defenseman signed for the longest term possible. Um, so that's just kind of running in the back of my head um, now. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a great deal, a very reasonable cap hit. It would not be a stretch to say at all that uh, beyond this season, even this season, Josh Morris, he'll be the best defenseman on the team. If you're paying your best defenseman only $6 million, that's a, that's a pretty good deal in my mind. Um, I think it's a really good deal for the Jets going forward.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you as far as that goes. And so now do you want to go straight into Bufflin or do you want to go with some of the other offseason stuff?
1: So just as training camp was starting for the Winnipeg Jets, Dustin Buffland was granted a leave of absence from the team at the time. Nobody really knew what was going on, but rumors just breaking as of this morning, actually um, Dustin Bufflin potentially pondering retirement from the NHL. What are your thoughts?
0: That is the lead story right now. When you go to TSN.ca, I was kind of shocked. Honestly, I thought it was maybe some kind of personal thing, family that they said it wasn't life threatening or anything sinister. And so I didn't really know what to think as far as uh, Dustin Bufflin is concerned or what is, or is not sinister, so to speak. And so when you look at him, he's 34 years old. He's a big guy, but he missed a lot of last season with an injury. We saw Andrew Luck retire in the NFL, somebody who would kind of battled injuries. So is Dustin Bufflin maybe still kind of have some kind of lingering soreness and issues? And maybe he's deciding now to hang it up. Does he see this year as not a great year for the Jets? Just deciding to maybe just be done. Had too much fun this summer fishing. Realized I could be doing this all the time. There's so many different things, and it's such a personal thing that you never really know what's going on. Maybe there are some things affecting him, and he just decides he doesn't want to, this toll to keep being taken on his body. I don't know.
1: Yeah. The issue um, right now, and just at the time of this podcast, there's very little details surrounding Buffon other than the rumors that he's contemplating retirement. Right. No idea if it's health-related. No idea if it's personal-related, like you said. Everything uh, I said was speculation different, whatever. So the thing that strikes me as is, is, um, interesting, at least from a physical side of things, ankle injuries you can come back from. You can rehab, you can heal. Uh, if you remember back to the start of the year, Dustin Bufflin had a concussion early on in the year. Concussions are a very different story when it comes to injuries. Everybody reacts differently. Everybody's body reacts differently. Maybe Bufflin wasn't feeling 100%. The rest of the way, realized in summer, he started feeling much better. Um, the brain can be a, a funny thing sometimes that the, the mental or the, the toll on, um, that concussions have is very different than some other injuries. Um, so I'm curious if that has anything to do with it, but once again, this is all hundred percent speculation. We have no idea how he's actually feeling, um, how his body's feeling because realistically he might be hundred percent. Um, physically fine, good to go for training camp. It just might be a, a, a family decision, whatever the case may be. So we're going to have to stay tuned uh, on that and hopefully uh, learn more as soon as possible.
0: And so now correct me if I'm wrong. What happens to Dustin Bufflin's cap hit if he does decide to retire? There's yeah, so this
1: is this is the interesting thing. Uh, the best way I saw it was uh, Frank Cerebelli on Twitter. Uh, essentially, there's three options for Dustin Bufflin here. Um, the first being the Winnipeg Jets can can keep him on as normal. His cap hit is normal. Uh, everything to that effect. Um, and then he's just
0: in absence. Just, like they just grant him like personal time off kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and his cap hit would still um, completely apply. Um, you could technically suspend him uh, from the team, and uh, I forget there's there's a little bit of a different cap implication to that. Um, but if he does actually retire, uh, the Winnipeg Jets would be out of that um, out of that cap hit for the next two years. So the, the Jets would be, have some considerable savings if Buffin was to officially retire.
0: The only way that that cap hit stays on is if they sign the contract after he's 35, correct?
1: C- correct. So if you sign a guy before that, he can last into his 35 years and older. Uh, if you sign a guy after he's 35 to a long-term deal, uh, then you would be on the hook for that.
0: Right, and so for, I think Datsuk's contract is an example of that, isn't it?
1: Yeah, there's always a handful of guys that, uh, I I think Chris Pronger was the same way, Um, and and there's a few guys like that, Uh, and that's why you see a lot of older guys nowadays signing the one-year deal because the teams don't want to give up and give up more than that in case the guy does retire.
0: So, let's just, all the speculation for different reasons, different things, what are you saying, is Dustin Bufflin back this season or not? What are you? What percentage are you putting it at? How confident are you, Dustin Bufflin's returning? What percentage would you put it at right now? Just your own personal feeling, based on really not a whole lot.
1: Based on absolutely pure speculation, I give him a. I would say there's about a thirty percent chance he plays hockey this year.
0: Really, thirty percent that low, eh? Well, well,
1: but here's the thing for me: if if he he had all summer to think about this.
0: Yeah, it's not just a last minute thing.
1: No, so. But if, he did come he, back to Winnipeg. If, if he wasn't, if he wasn't seriously considering it, if he was like, you know what, I'll probably play another year, there would be no issue. He'd be back. But obviously, it's uh, serious enough in his mind that he's taking time away—not just of the whole summer, he's also taking time from the team, from the training, uh, from training camp, from his teammates, coaching staff. He's taking time away from all of that to come up with his decision. So I think it's really weighing on him, and that's why I think it's maybe a higher percent chance he does actually. Decided to to hang it up.
0: Yeah, and because it is so public and that he's contemplating retirement, when you think about it, he did come back to Winnipeg, and then he left. Maybe he just came up to have that conversation, basically, and then go back. I I don't know. I would put it more as, I would flip those numbers around and go 70% chance he plays hockey. I think, because he's only 34, he's not that old, and again, I don't know how he's feeling, but... I think there's a chance he might be thinking to himself, maybe one more. Maybe let's do this again. I think there's a pretty good chance he comes back. I drafted him in a uh, hockey pool actually this weekend, and so I'm really hoping he comes back. Uh, Because he was dropping on draft boards like crazy. And knowing that he was out for personal reasons, we didn't really know what, I grabbed him uh, mid-late round. Hoping that he's actually in the Jets lineup this season. He, the Jets need him on the blue line this year. Like, without yeah. Dustin Bufflin, their right side looks so bad. It's Neil Pionk and Tucker Poolman and Sammy, and Sammy Niku's right shot, right?
1: Well, he's left shot, but he plays
0: right, both. Right, right. So, like, that does not give me a lot of confidence on the right side of the Jets' blue line if there is some serious, like, if Bufflin's out this year.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, there, there's two options, right? So he either comes back and plays, and it is what it is, and it's totally fine. And, and we all know the situation where that happens. Uh, the, the real issue now becomes if he does decide to retire. Um, so the Winnipeg Jets would instantly free up um, a bunch more cap space. So I think it's just over $8 million, million. right?
0: Just over $8 million? Yeah,
1: $15 million up to like or like 23 um, million. dollars. So that instantly gives you a lot of money to work with right Um, that also leaves you plenty of room to sign Connor gives you plenty of room to sign line pay them both what they want and still have some left over there's also a few defensemen on the trade block Uh, Honka out of Dallas has been publicly asking for a trade Uh, the Jets were rumored with Risto Linen earlier this year Justin Falk is now a casualty in Carolina potentially as well with uh, with their recent signing so there's guys that Winnipeg can get in the meantime, but none of them are even remotely comparable to Dustin Bufflin.
0: No, nobody's going to be able to come in and replace Dustin Bufflin. That's just not feasible. There's going to be have to be defensemen who can come in and eat minutes if Dustin Bufflin isn't in the lineup. Either way, Josh Morrissey is going to need to take a big step forward this year, kind of like what we were talking about in the last segment. They really need him to step up as a true, basically number one left side defenseman, whether he plays... I think it's going to be pretty much split. If Dustin Bufflin comes back, I think you need to split those two guys up, put adequate players with them, and then those are going to be your two big pairing minutes munching guys, and then the bottom pairing, we'll have to wait and see how that looks once the season rolls around. If your defense was to start today with Bufflin in the lineup, what does your defense look like?
1: Yeah, so if Bufflin's in, uh, I think you go with Morrissey and Pionk uh, on on the top pairing, second pairing, uh, there's options. You can go. I personally would go with uh, Sammy Niku with Justin Bufflin, um, and then I would go third pairing with Kulikov and Poolman, um, and probably Bolyu as the as the seventh guy looking in. Depending on how things go, you could easily rotate uh, Bolyu in for Niku or Kulikov um, going forward. But I think that's your seven. Uh, heading into training camp. No, or I'm heading right. into the regular season. Sorry.
0: Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. That's the way I'm looking right now as well. Uh, obviously, Jets play a preseason game tonight and a few other games coming up here over the next little while. And I don't think we're going to get any clarification on this anytime soon. We're still a ways away from meaningful hockey being played. Uh, we'll take a look now. I guess next we're going to get to pre- preseason uh, in the last segment. Next up, we want to look at still the RFA's Kyle Connor and Patrick Line.
1: So with Justin Buffen up in the air, he's not the only guy whose status is in question heading into the regular season. The Winnipeg Jets still have two major RFAs still waiting to be signed, Kyle Connor and Patrick Laine, still without contracts. And we're getting into multiple preseason games, weeks of training camp. The season's not that far away anymore, and these two guys are still on time.
0: All right, so what are you thinking? It's kind of been encouraging seeing a bunch of high-profile restricted free agents signing deals here over the last little while. I wasn't sure what was going on with that Marner deal. It looked like it might last until the regular season. And then all of a sudden, boom, Mitch Marner's got a deal. Six years, a cap hit of 10.893. Not ridiculous. Uh, I think that's still fairly high, but probably in the ballpark. I wouldn't complain about it too much if I was a Leafs fan. What do you think about that one?
1: yeah I, I'm not an expert in the leaf. So I would say it's a little bit higher than they wanted to. I thought it'd be more like uh, pretty much right on the dot of about ten. Um, but it is what it is, and that's what it takes to get a guy signed. Uh, if, what what can
0: you do? So all the other guys who have signed as well: Charlie McAvoy getting a three-year bridge deal, a 4.9 a million dollar cap hit for a pretty solid defenseman in Boston. Uh, Brock Besser getting a three-year bridge deal as well, 5.875 his cap hit. Travis Konechny getting a deal. He's not as high profile, but still a good young RFA. Six years at 5.5. So that's kind of a longer deal. Uh, ben Hutton and Brandon Carlo, those minor deals. But those are some of the big RFAs that have signed. But we still need to see Braden Point, Matthew Kitschuk, and then of course, Patrick Laine and Kyle Connor. Based on my feeling, what I've seen, I would bet that Kyle Connor is going to be the next one signed. Your thoughts? Yeah,
1: I would probably agree. It seems like Line is further away, um, and once again, I haven't been paying as close attention to these other teams. Uh, another one is Miko Rantanen, very high profile. Arguably the best player left unsigned is Rantanen. Um, it's going to be curious to see what he comes in as, uh, especially being another Finnish player like Patrick Laine. Um Just seeing how that situation unfolds might offer some clues as to how Winnipeg is going to unfold in regards to Line. But yeah, I agree. I think Kyle Connor's is probably closer to a deal. Um, just the fact that we haven't heard any negative talk um, in regards to Kyle Connor makes me at least feel good that a deal is possible going forward.
0: Yeah. I think that's just what I've been thinking. The absence of talk from Kyle Connor to me, it just feels like maybe they're close or maybe something's realistic, but kind of what we've seen here, the three year deal or the six year deal or max length, like what we saw with Morrissey, like Provorov got a six year deal Marner got a six-year deal, Konechny got a six-year deal, and Besser and McAvoy both got three-year deals, and so when you kind of look at it, the three-year deal obviously having much better cap hit, saving money now, the six-year deal, a higher cap hit, but you're not buying as many UFA years, so it's not maybe as high as it potentially could be. And we aren't seeing as many max deals, kind of like, well, I guess Josh Morrissey would be one, uh, but he still had a year left, kind of a different situation. Zach Wierenski, if you go a little bit further back, another high profile. He got three years at a $5 million cap hit. What kind of cap hit are you looking at for Line a and Kyle Connor?
1: Yeah, so there's, there's my thought is um, Kyle Connor's likely to, more likely to sign the long term deal, uh, probably in that six ish million or six year range. Um, and then I think Line a is more likely to sign the shorter term deal, more like a, a, a bridge-type deal. Uh, the interesting thing, if you look at all those three-year deals, the way they're structured is really, really interesting. And what I mean by that is the amount of money that they pay in each year is wildly different. The reason for that, if you're a team or if, if you're a player and you sign a three-year deal, at the end of that three years, you're still an RFA. The money, the not the cap, but the actual salary they're paying you on that last year that is essentially the starting point of your qualifying offer that the team would, would offer you for your next contract. Uh, so it's really interesting looking at some of these deals and seeing, uh, I think Brock Besserl is the latest one where the first two years aren't much for, for Capit and then it's uh, I think upwards of over 7 million on the third year, the actual salary is over 7 million. Uh, so that's where the next deal would start. I'm very curious to see if Lanny signs that three-year bridge deal what is that third-year number going to be because that's where essentially negotiations start uh, on that next contract. So if Line A signs a three-year deal, let's say at a $6 million cap hit or six and a half, is that last year going to be a $10 million um, actual salary in that last year to guarantee that's where the talks start? Um, then so that's what I'm very curious to see, yeah, uh, in regards to line a going forward.
0: No, I'm right there with you, and I definitely agree that Con- to me, Connor might be a little bit more likely to get that six year and then line a, a little bit more likely to get the three year deal. Brock Besser, here's an example. So three years five and a half, 5.8. I consider uh, where do you consider Kyle Connor compared to Brock Besser?
1: I would say fairly similar. Um,
0: Goal score on save, but similar age. If, you,
1: if, you, if you're talking about longer term, then I think the cap it goes goes up a little bit. So maybe a million more than Besser would be. Six and a half to seven.
0: Yeah. So I'm thinking six and a half to seven for Kyle Connor. Like realistically, looking at all this, looking at the comparables, five and a half for Koneknik. Connor's definitely better than him. I would put him at, yeah, this. If you went six and a half for six years, I think I could definitely live with that. I don't know if I'd want to do anything more than seven for Kyle Connor at six years. And then for Patrick. Yep, I agree. And then for Patrick Line, if you're doing a three year deal, Besser is getting. he's one of the higher numbers as far as a three-year deal is concerned. Marner getting the 10.8, he's nowhere near Mitch Marner, in my opinion, but maybe he's trying to play that. If you're doing a three-year deal, I would consider six and a half, six and a half million with the last year at eight. I've been hearing the Jets wanted him at five and a half with the last year being higher, like with an average... Of five and a half and then the last year being more like seven I don't know I don't mind the last year being eight because if Patrick Lani has three years and of playing as good as he possibly can eight years or at eight million dollars is going to feel like nothing for him we don't know what the cap's going to do we don't know what he's going to do but realistically if he keeps getting better eight million is not going to be that bad at the end of three years
1: yeah i totally agree and i think for a, a three-year deal rumor has it that he was offered something between the five and six million dollar range for a, a three-year bridge deal uh which he turned down so i'm wondering if it's just like a hair over the the six to six and a half mark for a three-year deal um but my thought is if you're giving him if you're giving line a six and a half for a bridge connor's going to surely want more than that for a long-term deal uh, so that's why I'm curious to see which guy gets done first, because if, if Lana gets done first to six and a half at three years, Connor's likely going to ask for upwards more than seven uh, if he's signing a longer-term deal and vice versa. They could kind of play off each other in that regard. Um, just makes things really interesting, the timing of everything for the Jets, um, when they release the information, when they actually get these deals done, and, and see if either player influences uh, each other. Um, right before their contracts are signed
0: okay so now uh, numbers aside what do you think of line a in sc burn right now Uh, to me i have no problem with him being there that's where mitch Marner went you see this all the time guys if they got to be training somewhere i want him to be in shape when he comes back to the jets do you think he gets traded do you think he comes back because there's been comments about he wasn't playing necessarily he felt kind of Rough translation, rough paraphrasing, he kind of felt like that he wasn't playing with the best possible players and he's a first-line guy. The Jets and Paul Maurice and Blake Wheeler, again, paraphrasing really roughly, they felt he had good players. It wasn't just him getting all those goals on his own. He was playing with good players already, kind of what Blake Wheeler said. What do you think about all these comments?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. As far as playing in Europe, I think that's totally fine. Um, That's what we would want. You want him to be practicing playing, that sort of thing. Um, As far as the comments, I think a lot gets lost in translation. Uh, As far as I can recall, um, all those comments were made in Finnish and were translated. um, Oftentimes, as well, you would know this as well as anybody, the way an interviewer asks questions can really lead to a – a biased response, uh, maybe a, a response that's not intended by the person speaking. I'm wondering if that potentially happened uh, to Patrick Liney, um, and that combined with stuff being lost in translation, you can really skew. Um, especially when you pick sound bites, you can really skew some of the some of the responses. That's my first thought. My second thought is, um, I like what Blake Wheeler said, saying you need to have guys that are hungry for more minutes. You need guys that want to play they think they deserve more because that's going to give them the drive and the motivation to do more uh, and earn those minutes. Um, Nothing's going to be gifted to you. Um, Maybe Patrick thinks something should be gifted to him after multiple 40-goal seasons by the time he turned 20, but that's just not quite how it works, uh, especially under Maurice's coaching style. Um, So I think at this point, comments have been made. It is what it is, and now it's time to um, get a deal done, show, show your worth. Prove it to everybody and, and make some noise in the NHL.
0: See, to me, it's also the just the fact that it's not like he's being buried on the fourth line. He has been played on the first power play unit with Shifley and Wheeler. Like, he's got elite passers. Like, you can't get better of really much of a better power play setup man than Blake Wheeler. Like, there would be a handful of guys around the league. He's playing with the premier guy on the power play, and then Maurice decides to balance his lines a little bit at 5-on-5. Five five. You can't harp on a coach for balancing. If you think you're that great, you should be able to do it on your own. And again, we've got into this, and it's not like he's playing with Scrubs. He's playing with Brian Little. He's playing with Nick Ehlers. These are great High-caliber NHL players. It's not like he's playing with Chris Thorburn on the fourth line. And again, he had a couple games here and there. But I'm talking in general throughout his time in Winnipeg. He's been giving number one power play. And he's been given good, decent opportunities up front. You can't load all your eggs in one basket on the top line. Like we've seen. you got to have some balance. Maybe it's they need to find a better balance this season. Maybe. But I don't know. I hope something has happened how many games? Last question before we move on. We're, and I know we're going to wrap up the podcast here shortly. How many games do does Kyle Connor miss, and how many games does Patrick Line miss? Uh,
1: I think Kyle Connor is back for game number one. Uh, I think Line misses uh, about a week, um, and I think he'll be back as well. Um, no <clears> trades. I we're not even going to explore wins. that.
0: No trades. We're not going to explore that.
1: I don't think it's going to happen. Not at this point. Um, I think the real, um, the determining factor in all this could be Dustin Bufflin to be totally honest, because if, if he does decide to retire, I think both guys are, are back day one. Uh, if he doesn't and cap space is tight, I think uh, it takes a little bit longer to get those deals done. That That's how it's going to go in my mind.
0: Okay, I say Connor misses none. Line A, I say... Tough to say. I, say. I say they're both back by game one. October 3rd, we still got a couple weeks left to go. I say uh, it both... I say they both get in just under the wire. Okay, so that wraps up Line a and Connor. Let's move on and kind of quickly touch on preseason.
1: So the Jets just wrapping up their first preseason game against the Oilers. Uh, definitely not sending their best squad out there. Majority Manitoba Moose players. The result went about as you would expect. But once again, it's preseason. You take everything with a grain of salt in preseason. Uh, the Jets overall, though, not looking great. Um, but it was interesting to watch some of those combinations come together. Combining Jets players, Moose players. And it's just fun to watch hockey again.
0: It is fun to watch hockey again. I've watched some uh, Portage Terriers preseason. Didn't get a chance to watch the game on Monday. Hoping to watch the one tonight against the Minnesota Wild. Unfortunately, won't be going to the game. Uh, Was there anybody who really stood out to you? Is there anybody who's kind of made uh, headlines for you and really saying, yes, they need to make the squad this year?
1: Well, I think uh, the big one for me was Tucker Pullman. And and Tucker Pullman, he just looked like an NHL defenseman. Uh, in, in that first game against the Oilers. He was um, solid in his own end. Um, he was solid uh, across the blue line entries. Uh, he was solid going back, retrieving the puck, uh, made some really nice outlet passes, set up a good scoring chance with a full-length outlet pass uh, to to Mason Appleton. He was, I think, for me, the most impressive player. And I think Jack Rosovic looked ready to go. Um, I think rozavik can sense that he has a really good chance to move up the lineup without line a and without Connor. Um, So if Rozovic has a really good camp and a few really good games, he might be the biggest beneficiary to all of this.
0: Well, definitely. And I think that he's one of those guys, Mason Appleton, Andrew cop, they're all going to get looks up the lineup. If those main guys are out of it. And so there's still a lot up in the air. And now is the time of year where you're trying different combinations. You're trying different things. You're not going to see too many games with Shifley in here over the next little while. It's going to be one of those things where, yeah, these borderline fringe guys are fighting for spots. Who knows? Like, we could see Gabriel Bork in the lineup night one if Connor and Line a are missing, right? Like, do you see that happening?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, even if those guys are in, I, I'm slotting Gabriel Bork into the fourth line. I think he'll be on the team. Um, but there there are guys playing for spots, and that's the other thing. Uh, Christian Veseline is probably the best example. I think he could make the roster with a really good camp. There's a very good chance he does not make the roster if he doesn't have the greatest camp. So there's a lot of guys that are fighting for jobs, especially on the back end. Like we mentioned before, Nathan You needs to have a good camp. Uh, Tucker Pullman needs to have a good camp. Um, Sammy Niku could be anywhere in the lineup. He could be a uh, uh, potentially on the top pairing with Josh Morrissey if things work out that way or he could be in the press box. So there's a lot of spots to play for, especially on the back end uh, as the preseason keeps rolling.
0: And when things are open like that, I think it might make some players more hungry, realizing that there's even like a greater chance. and hopefully they don't just grip the stick too tight and like it makes them too nervous. But sometimes when you go into camp, the lineup's pretty much set. I think last year going in there wasn't a lot of movement. You knew Rosvik maybe had a chance to move up a little and there was a few question marks here and there, but all in all, there wasn't a lot of upheaval like there would be without Connor and Line in the lineup and buffling out. Like there is a really good opportunity for some of these guys here and hopefully some of them can make the jump. Well, that does it for this episode of the Jets Nation Podcast. If you want us to talk about anything, hit us up on Twitter at Jets and Podcast. We'll be getting that going again now that the preseason is underway. And of course, uh, make sure to check out all of Kyle's stories and all of the stuff at jetsnation.ca. Find all of the Jets Nation Podcasts at jetsnation.ca.